Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Morning again, everyone. It's really such a privilege for us to be here. We are, we are so thankful, and I really want to say thank you, Pastor Henny. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you to your amazing team. You've got just an incredible team working with you. We feel so welcome and cared for and looked after. So thank you so much. It's really a, a privilege um, to be here. I also want to give a quick shout out. My parents are here, which is really amazing. <laughs> and my sister and her whole family. It's just so awesome to see you. They live up the road where my parents are visiting from Plate. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know me, I'm not going to do a long introduction because I, I, I'm really going to be short this morning. I'm, um, I just, for 20 minutes or so, I just want to share a bit more behind the, the heart of the album and, and this whole process of, of what it means to, to behold God. Um, we, we are busy doing these launches kind of uh, on Sundays, so we're doing 16 launches in the next three months, starting from today, so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I already lost my voice last night in Potch of Sturm, so we'll hopefully get it when we go back. Um, on the way down, I'll, I'll find it again. Um, but it's just really such a privilege to come and, and share the heart behind and the album and, and the message. And So I'm going to start by praying. Father, we just bring you our hearts this morning, and we, we so want your word to come and shape us, God, for your word to come and change us. We just declare our hearts to be good soil for the seed of your word this morning, Lord. We thank you that you're already speaking so clearly, God, that we are already encountering you and, and seeing you, God. You're lifting veils this morning, God. You're breaking bondages. You're bringing healing, God. You're bringing perspective, Father. You're allowing hope to rise up in our hearts again, Father. And we just, we look to you, God. You are all sufficient. There's no satisfaction outside of you, Jesus. So we commit this time for you to come and just circumcise our hearts. God, come cut at our hearts. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, having fun at Kids Church. Um, so we're speaking about beholding this morning. And I know that the word behold is, is not one that we use in, in everyday, you know, our every, everyday vocabulary. I don't know who woke up this morning and said, behold, let's go to church. Huh? Or I went to behold a movie last night. Um, but, but the title behold, it, it, the title of the album behold, it comes from one of the songs that we sang now at the end, Behold the Lamb. And, and that song actually started in, in just a time of spontaneous worship. Uh, Greg Boy is one of my good friends. He writes a lot of songs. We write a lot of songs together. And he um, was at the Shofar Cape Town congregation. And just in worship, they, they came and started singing this line over and over. And thankfully, the sound man took a, a recording on his phone. Uh, just of them singing, Behold the Lamb who takes away our sin. Behold the Lamb who takes away our sin. And that line comes from John the Baptist. In the first chapter of John, John is standing amongst the people. And then he sees Jesus coming towards him. And he says to the people, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so that's what actually became the chorus of our song. 
And so when we're speaking about beholding the Lamb, when we're speaking about beholding God, we're obviously speaking about seeing God. Look, see, like John the Baptist is saying, look, see, take notice, see God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the, the, the whole idea of seeing God can, can be a bit confusing. You know, some, sometimes maybe the more spiritual amongst us will say, like, I really saw God. And others are like, how, how do you see God? I mean, what, what does that even mean? And I think it's, it's confusing in a sense because on one hand, we can't see God in his fullness this side of eternity, right? We, we, we wouldn't live. We, we wouldn't survive if we, if we had to see God with our, our human eyes. And God says that in Exodus 33 when he, when he encounters Moses and he says, no man will see my face and live. And so we know that this side of eternity, we've got one day that we're looking forward to where we're going to see him face to face. But for now, we, we, we can't see him fully. But if you look at scripture, the scripture is full of people who see visions of God or who see a glimpse of God or see something like the appearance of God and I always love for me personally whenever I read somebody who sees God in scripture I always love just looking at their reaction what is their response because as a worshiper worship is a response right when you see God you respond to him so how did people respond in scripture when they saw God and it's it's interesting to look at you can put it up on the slide Moses sees God in the burning bush and he hides his face because he's afraid to look at him. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he, he has this vision of God high and lifted up. And he's, he just sees the throne room of God. He sees these angels that are circling the throne, sing, crying out, holy, holy, holy. And he's suddenly so aware of his own uncleanness. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. Job you know, there's the whole long conversation where God asks Job questions that he can't answer. <laughs> and right at the end of Job, Job says, you know, my, my ears had heard, but now my eyes have seen. And what was his response? He despises himself. He repents in dust and ashes, it says, right at the end of Job. Ezekiel, he sees a vision and he falls prostrate. He falls on the ground before God. That's his response. This was the response of so many, by the way, who saw visions of God or visions of Christ. They fall prostrate. Daniel, he collapses and he faints. The apostle John, when he sees Jesus, the ascended Jesus in his, in his vision in Revelation, he sees Jesus with his hair as white as wool and the eyes of blazing fire. And then he falls at Jesus' feet as if he's dead. <laughs> Are you picking up a bit of a theme here? We see there's a, there's a real fear when we see God and understanding that God is holy and God is perfect. He is matchless. He is so far above. He is so high above. He is so sovereign. And we suddenly become aware of our own inadequacy. And Pastor Henny basically preached the sermon when he, when he said that the amazing thing is so many times we, we, we want, we feel like we need to prove ourselves in God's presence. And we're so aware of un, our unworthiness. But that's the story of the gospel, that the story does not stop there. The story starts there with us realizing our unworthiness. And then realizing that God, the Father, made a way for us to know Him. Made a way for us to see Him. That is the good news. The fact that God doesn't... God, God is holy, God is perfect, but He doesn't want us at a distance. 
And so he makes a way for us to be able to approach him. He makes a way for us to, to draw near to him and to see him. Because that's his heart as a father. And then he mentioned the spiritual eyes that he opened. So this, this side of eternity, we're maybe not going to see God with our, our natural eyes. But scripture speaks about spiritual eyes. And God comes and opens our spiritual eyes. That's how Paul puts it in, in Ephesians 1. He, he prays this amazing prayer for the Ephesians. I encourage you, if you ever want to pray for somebody, pray this prayer over them. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, to be opened. Why must they be opened? So that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. You see, we cannot know our hope, we cannot know our inheritance, and we cannot know his power unless he opens our eyes to see. And it's a work that the Holy Spirit comes and, do, comes and does. It's the, he's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. It's the spirit that comes and, and opens our eyes. There's another scripture where Paul again is speaking in 2 Corinthians 3, where he says, we all with unveiled face. In other words, we had a veil over our, over our eyes, had a veil over our hearts that meant that we couldn't see God. We couldn't know him. But when we come to God, when we come to faith, we have that veil removed. And we all with unveiled face are beholding, we're seeing the glory of God. And we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That's good news, amen? But this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so we see in, the, in Scripture, yes, there's fear and trembling in God's presence. But there's also an invitation to see Him and an invitation to know Him. But there is a war that is going on for our attention and for our affection. There's constantly a war that is going on for our hearts, for our attention, for our minds, and for our affection. And it's a war that starts the moment that you wake up. The moment you wake up. Think, think maybe just of this morning when you woke up. What is the first thing that you started thinking about? I'll be honest with you that many times my first thoughts aren't of him. Because there's other things that are distracting me. I wake up and immediately my attention is pulled away to other things. As we are driving to work or driving to class or, you know, when we come home in the evenings and we've got time to spend on whatever we want to spend our time on, what, what are we spending our time on? What are the things that are taking our attention, taking our focus? And on one hand, it's obvious. We, we, know, we know the obvious ones. We know the ones that, you know, the, the bad things, the the things that, that we know we shouldn't be doing or, or pursuing or greed or lusts of the flesh, all of these things. We know those, those things which, which tend to seduce us and to take our attention and our affection away from God. But sometimes it's even the good things, hey? It's even the relationships in our lives, the great relationships that God has given. It's sometimes that, that sense of, of just purpose and of knowing what you're called to do on earth, the sense of ambition. I've got this desire. I've got this dream that I want to achieve for God. But sometimes even those things, they're good in themselves and they're from God. But they fight for our attention. They fight for the place of number one in our hearts. 
And so what we do is we end up living distracted lives. We end up living busy lives. I want you to be honest with me now. When somebody asks, how are you doing? How's it going with you? How many of you answer some variation of, I'm busy? Huh? Be honest with me. It's not that few hands. I sometimes find that I even answer, I'm busy when I'm not busy. You know? Because yeah, I'm just such, I'm so in the habit of, yeah, yeah, I'm busy. There's, you know? There's always something to do. And somebody was saying it the other day, that we've, we've lost the ability to even be bored. You know, when we have nothing to do, we, we, we find something to do. Because we're just, we're so, we're running on this high of being distracted. We're constantly, our minds are engaged. They have to be engaged somewhere. And so what we end up doing is we're numbing ourselves to relationship with God and relationship with one another. True relationship with one another. That's not just based on social media accounts or talking about, you know, the weather. We also get distracted by the things that are going on around us and our, our circumstances. And so many of these songs that were written on this album were written in, in really difficult times. Even our church has gone through a very difficult season the last few years. And, and so many of these songs were birthed out of that difficult season. Um, some people personally were just going through real pain, emotional pain. And some people who had promises from God that they were believing for and they're trusting for, but these promises are just not coming through. And so your choice in that moment is, are you going to focus on the storm that is going around you? Are you going to behold the storm or are you going to behold God? Because the invitation is always there. No matter what is going on around us, the invitation is always there to see God and to know God. Some of the words of, of the songs, we bring our praises is one of them. We bring an offering of praise to you. Our circumstances don't determine what's due. Our circumstances don't determine what we're offering. Through joy and tragedy, you're faithful and you're true. We bring our praise. Oh, you are the potter, which is the song that Nasisa sang just now. That second verse always smacks me over the head. I just, it's just so powerful. I will not be ashamed. No, I'll not be disappointed. In this life you give, in both pain and in joy. Why? Because you are just. God is always just. And for myself personally, going through this project and overseeing things, there were, there were so many opportunities for me to give in to some kind of fear. There's always an opportunity to give in some, into some kind of fear. And, this, and God's answer to me the whole time was the same. James, behold. Learn to behold. Learn to fix your eyes on me. And that's, that's the heart of that song, Fix Our Eyes. We, we did sing it this morning. Um, but that bridge says, we fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. You're holding our complete attention. And I always say this. I, I didn't write that, that line three times just because I didn't know what else to write. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't think of words to rhyme with you, so let's just, just repeat. But who knows that 
that's not a prayer that you just pray once and then it's, it's sorted out. We need to constantly, God, I fix my eyes on you. I fix my eyes on you. I fix my eyes on you. And this, this verse obviously comes from, or this bridge comes from one of my all-time favorite scriptures. I'm going to commit my life to writing as many songs as I can from Hebrews 12. The first three verses. I'm going to see how many songs I can get out of three verses. It's just so beautiful. Hebrews 10 speaks of the, about the, oh sorry, 11 speaks of the heroes of the faith, these men and women who've gone before us. And then 12 opens with, therefore, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let's run with endurance. This is an encouragement for you this morning. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How do we not grow weary or faint-hearted? We fix our eyes. We consider him. We look to him. We behold him. That's how we don't grow tired or weary in ourselves and in our circumstances. And I really want to say this, even in the light of everything that's going on in our, in our nation, so much fear that's being preached at us constantly. And yes, I'm, I'm not denying facts that, you know, the nation is it's not in the best shape, but still, where are we looking? In the midst of this, where are our, where are our eyes fixed? The invitation is to keep them fixed on Christ. And so that's the message of behold is, is to see God and to see God, I must mention this as well, to see God in his word. The word of God is the foundation of our beholding God. And so that was our desire with, with all of the songs was to really magnify the word of God. So we, we try to put as much scripture as, as we could in there. Um, and I really want to commend and honor Pastor Henny as well. You don't realize it, but you've had such a massive influence on me. Um, just as a songwriter, desiring to just elevate the, the word to the position that it should hold, to the platform it should hold um, in our lives. And because I'm in the word of God, as great as we can imagine in our own minds, in our own understanding, as great as we can imagine God to be, if you go to the word of God, he is so much greater. And as loving as we could possibly imagine God to be, as, as, as much imagination as you want to use, for the love of God, go to the word of God and just see how much deeper it is, how much wider it is, how much longer, how much higher. We need the word of God. And as we behold him in his word, 2 Corinthians 3 said, it's a spirit who unveils us. It's a spirit who transforms us. Because it's only when we behold God that we actually get a sense of who we are as well. You cannot know yourself truly outside of knowing God. We can't know ourselves outside of knowing God. Because it's God who made us, firstly. And then it's the Spirit of God who speaks into our heart the revelation of who we are. The Spirit of God who speaks the truth into our hearts of who we really are. And this is what I want to end off with this morning. Who are we? (laughs) Romans 8. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons.
by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's who we are. We are children of God. We are sons of God. And this obviously applies to the ladies as well, hey? Sons in the biblical context. Sons, sons in the Bible, obviously, they received a certain inheritance and position and authority. And so the same way God calls us sons of God, men and women, we're sons, we're children of God. And so as working on this project, one day, I can't remember when, God just dropped this line into my heart, which is the, the heart of what I want to say this morning. Is, James, worship like a son. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Worship like a son. One of, the biggest, one of life's biggest questions is, who am I? And so if I had to ask you, you know, if we had the time to go around to each one and, and just share, tell me about yourself. What, 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 would, what would be some of the things that come out if I had to say, tell me about yourself? You know, probably it would be something about where you came from or where you live or your culture or your, the language that you speak or the work that you do. We, South Africans, we find a lot of identity in what we do. But we don't come into God's presence as an engineer or a student or an accountant or an Afrikaner or a Zulu or whatever it is. We come into God's presence as sons of God. So I'm just so thankful again for what Pastor Henny shared earlier. And the amazing thing is a son doesn't wonder if he's welcome in his father's presence. And so it's what he was sharing this morning when he said, if you feel the sense of unworthiness, it's not from God. Because, yes, we are completely unworthy. We are completely inadequate in ourselves. But then Christ comes and washes us with his blood. He makes us clean. He makes us new. And the amazing thing about God, uh, uh, this blows my mind, is that God doesn't just stop with salvation. You know, God doesn't just see us in our mess. He sees us in our shame. And he, he doesn't just pick us up and clean us off and say, okay, there you are. You're clean. You're a new person. Off you go. He picks us up. He saves us. And then he says, now you belong to me. Now you're mine. He adopts us. He makes us his sons. He makes us his children. And the, the amazing thing about that is then we, we're sometimes so fixated on kind of success according to the world standards. But then success or failure adds nothing and removes nothing from your status as a son of God. And that doesn't determine how you can approach God. We come as sons. So we're going to end off uh, this morning with a song. It's, and the, 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 there's a second verse in the song. It's a song called Holy. Um, the band guys can actually come up so long. And I remember when, I, when Anuri and Greg wrote the song together and when they sent it to me, I remember reading the second verse and thinking, that's too simple. It needs to be a little bit more fresh. It needs to be a little bit more interesting. But now it's literally probably my favorite three lines on the album. It says, no longer striving. In grace, no abiding. We surrendered at your feet. It's so simple, but it's so profound for so many of us who are so used to performing our way into God's presence. We don't perform for God. We come as sons. We're not striving to achieve something that we can never achieve because he's the one who achieved it for us. We're abiding in grace and we're coming surrendered at his feet. 
I want to encourage you with this last scripture, Hebrews 10. Maybe you can close your eyes as I read this. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened us, opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, this is his invitation, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Father, we just want to bring you our hearts this morning. And just for a moment, maybe just think about what is, this, what is the state of your heart. Maybe there was something that I said now. Maybe it was something that came up in, in worship that you know God is just pressing a, a button with you. Maybe you feel unworthy in His presence. Maybe you feel constantly distracted in His presence, that your mind is wandering somewhere else. Maybe you, you're just aware this morning that you th- your, your image of God is just so small. It's, he's not that much bigger than us. When in reality, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. The earth is His footstool. There's nothing that escapes His attention. Maybe you're here today and there's just there's a sense of pain and a sense of loss and and you're really going through incredibly difficult times and it feels like nobody's noticing but God is saying that he notices that he sees that he's the shepherd who is with you in the midst of it we're just going to respond with a song singing of his holiness coming in surrender for many of us that's just our first step this morning it's just to, to take, make that act of surrendering Maybe you need to, to kneel before God, to bow before Him on your knees. It's just a powerful act of humbling ourselves before God. But I really believe that God wants to set people free this morning. If you're experiencing any form of bondage, the Father is here to open those prison doors. The Spirit of God is here to open those prison doors for you to walk out. You are not a prisoner. This victory on the cross is enough. When He said it is finished, it is finished. Thanks for listening to this message from Shafa Johannesburg. May the grace you received produce God's greatest glory your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobberg.